Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Swarley and Teddy Westside. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome to The Pestle, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by the Holiday Armadillo. Get your kids in the holiday spirit with everyone's favorite Chris Monaquanza animal, the Holiday Armadillo. Nice. Welcome to the Pestle. I am Wes. And I'm Todd. And I am back in Austin. Welcome back, good friend. Thanks. If you've been tuning in the last few weeks, then you'll notice that we're minus one person, the indomitable Joe Howes. I love that you always refer to him as indomitable. <laughs> kind of like he belongs in the North Pole or something, or like Antarctica, or he's very woolly or something. I had such a great time over there. First of all, Did it's you? Yeah. the most beautiful place I've ever been. I mean, yeah. How yeah. could it not be? Those pictures are amazing. God, it's incredible. Can you post them in the show notes? Yeah, I'll post a few. Awesome. I'm, I'm getting my uh, film developed. I shot a bunch of 35 millimeter stills, Ooh. so I'm excited to see how those awesome. turned out. Yeah. So I'll throw some of those in the show notes today. Great. And it's very all the same. Still lovely to be back in person and be able to look you in the face in real time. No, no. I know you'd rather still be over there. I would. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, uh, I'm yeah. excited, man. So it was interesting being being away and kind of only keeping up with you through like social media. I was watching you post just tons of stuff. Obviously, your adorable kids were everywhere. And that was just like, oh. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, he only get the, the good side of it. Yeah. And then I got to put him to bed right. for two hours. But it was also interesting just seeing all the projects you're working on. So if you don't know, the Pestle is a, we do intensive breakdowns. We're both filmmakers. Todd's a full-time producer. And we're, we've been doing this for a while, not just a show, but in terms of being involved in film. And our goal here is just to kind of give our take. We're, we're analyzing, but we're not like, doing a deep dive into what the director or the cinematographer said. Sometimes we'll know, we'll throw that out there for sure. But mostly this is kind of a deep dive into what we see that they're doing and just kind of our take on it. And so sometimes we'll, we'll take a shot and we'll probably miss and that's fine because the, my ultimate goal anyway is to say, what did they accomplish and what's being imbued on me instead of what did they actually set out to do? Cause there's, there's a huge difference between intention and uh, result. Like it's one thing to set out and say, yeah, we're going to shoot wide angles because we want to see more, whatever. Like, yeah, that's one thing. But then what is the actual result on the audience after everything's said and done? And that's what I'm more interested in. Uh, Man, I'm so glad you said that. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can think that you're making a Monet, but (laughs) you know, if, if people see it as a kid's painting, it's not a Monet. You know, like it, it really depends on it's in the eye of the beholder. Sure. Right. And so, uh-huh. so we could go out and do all this research. And in some cases we do when we're, when we're, you know, we want to talk about, well, how did they get this shot like yeah. mechanically and stuff? And that kind of makes sense. But going and looking up, what do they mean by this or that, that kind of defeats the purpose. You know, we want to, it, it did that, whatever they did convey the feeling that they wanted to convey or not. We're, so what we're going to do is say, this is how we felt during this. And this is, this is what we think it means. And if that's on the nose, great. They did a, a great job conveying that. And if it's not, it's not that they did a, a bad right. job. Maybe we missed just, the boat. Yeah. It's just, we didn't see it, yeah. which doesn't say much, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it's, we love film. And so we love talking about this kind of stuff and, and, and putting our wild guesses out there and seeing if, if it, is true or not, you know, I don't know. Hell to the, yeah. Yeah. And so my question to you is at watching all the stuff you've been posting from set, like you've 
been traveling around, you've been shooting commercials. And I'm just curious, like, do you have a favorite part of production now? You do so much, you know, phone calling and coordinating, but then to be on set uh, and then go through the post process, because I know you also oversee editing. Sometimes you do the editing yourself um, or you're just giving feedback or sometimes you're sitting in the coloring room and you're, you know, giving notes to the colorist. And so I'm just curious, like, if you have a favorite part you look forward to in a project right now. Man, that's a really good question. <laughs> I totally was not expecting that. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I really like assembling the crew. I like like putting the pieces together the best. So um, at, this is, you know, after the script has been written and approved, the boards have been approved, the, the client knows what we're going for. We all know internally what we're going for and now you know, the goal is to assemble the right people to make that. I think if I had to boil everything down to something that the the part that I like the best, it would be that one, because I get to tap into like a pretty large, I mean, not gigantic, but, but a a good amount of folks that I really like and trust. Um, but also, you know, I get to kind of like, like shape how it's going to look and then, and, obviously I have to get that approved by people above me. But once that's, once that's done, then it's kind of like, okay, I'm just kind of nudging everything along a little bit, but like, you know, finding the people to bring in, in yeah. and, and get it, get it made after it's been approved. I, I, I think that would be it. I, I love sitting in color sessions and watching that. That's <laughs> a total dark art. And yeah. That's beautiful. like alchemy to me. It, it's crazy, man. It's so crazy. Like you, you sit there and you think, oh, I could do that. And then you watch someone do it and it is, oh, it's, it's like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, poetry in motion. It's beautiful. That's so good. I'm going to yeah. totally call back to that later in the episode. Oh yeah. Uh, because yeah, there's some really cool things in this film that we're doing, which is, if you're not aware, uh, if you're just like binging our podcast and you're not paying attention, Today, we're going to be doing a very long engagement. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. If you haven't seen it, I think Todd has a warning for you. Yeah. So go see it. <laughs> pause <laughs> pause this and go watch it. I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of details in it and it's going to spoil a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, and we've said this multiple times on, on the podcast, but I don't even really like to know if you liked a movie yeah. or not because it affects me. I mean, I it affects me in one way and not the other. Like if there, if there's a show, like you just told me yeah. earlier or right before we started this, Hey, I just finished watching bodyguard on Netflix. It's actually really good. I've been seeing that in my queue yeah. and I'm like avoiding it. Cause Same. it just does yep. not look good to me. I don't know why. Cause I'm 100% judging a book by its cover. <laughs> and I've, I'm, I look at it. I'm like, I've seen that movie. Kevin Costner is not in this. I'm not watching it. Um, but it, anyway, but you said you liked it. So now I'm intrigued. I might go watch it. Might not, but yeah. I might. Um, but the, you know, the other way, if, if there's a movie that I am like totally excited to see, but then I hear you or someone else say, say, Oh man, I just did not like that movie. I might still go see it. I probably will still go see it, but you know, just having that in the back of my mind, it might affect the way I view it. So long story short, if you haven't seen a very long engagement, just pause the podcast, go, you know, watch it, um, and then come back and, and pick up with us where you left off. Definitely. Um, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about the color, a little bit of cinematography. I have an editing note. 
um, some some of the story. I, I, probably mostly the story is such an interesting story, um, and other such things and stuff and things. Maybe some of the editing. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with the synopsis here. It's a story of a, a young woman's relentless search for her fiance, who's disappeared from the trenches of the Somme, Somme during World War One. Direct. It's directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet, screenplay by Jeunet and Guillaume Laurent, uh, based on the novel by Sebastien Japerceau, uh, starring Audrey Tateau uh, as Matilda, uh, Gaspard Ulliel as Monic, uh, Marion Cotillard as Tina Lombardi, Jodie Foster as Elodie Gordes, which I probably butchered yeah, that, all those names. Well, that was one of the spoilers. <laughs> right, that's so I true. I was like, what the I heck? didn't see that coming either. Yeah. <laughs> For as long as they've known each other, Mathilde and Manek have wanted to get married. Fate had other plans. Nice. So I'm a, I'm pretty sure this was your first time watching it. I've seen this like six times. <laughs> no, I've, yeah, I'd never seen this movie. What was? How did you feel about it? So uh, started off with the bang. Yeah, I mean that opening shot. Uh, you know. A movie is the what is it? It's the the culmination of the first shot and the last, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the first shot is amazing. That that long pan down of the the broken crucifix with uh, the top half of Jesus just swinging, just and they keep you know rolling down into the trench as they're as they're walking all the prisoners away. Like it's brutal, and all the violence is so realistic like really realistic, you know, when everybody, when people are getting stabbed or cut or, or shooting your hand, shooting off. A hand off or whatever, it just feels really realistic. It was beautiful. I couldn't quite get my head around everything, but like the, the beginning of it, it had me and it kept me for most of it. I think it was just hard to follow a little bit because so there were so many names yeah. because she was all over the place trying to track him down and, and everything. And it, it just being in a foreign language and not knowing if a name was a word or a name sometimes. And, but that I don't want to take away from the film. Yeah. You know, that was just my, uh, you know, inability to follow the story. If I watched it again, I don't think that it would be a problem. Same. And I, just to be fair, I had the same problem, even though I've seen this before, it wasn't, I probably saw this in 2004 when it came out and Mm -hmm. not since then it's been in my head, but yeah, I still found myself struggling. Like, which, which one is Tina Lombardi? And so, yeah, same problem here. Yeah. I I thought, uh, Matilda was awesome. Yeah. She was super cute. Yeah. Like you said, (laughs) uh, and what is it? Manek, Mane, Monik, Monik. Uh, he was really good too. I thought, I thought the acting was really great. The thing that was really interesting to me was their, just to, to talk about the editing really quick, the way that they, they did like picture in picture almost, you know what I mean? Like, what is, what is that? I don't know where they'd fade in something, Oh, you know, yeah. like she'd be on the phone and then they'd fade in the person that on the, on the right side of the screen. Yeah. It's kind of like a double exposure, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Whenever they're literally laying these images on top of each other. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like, it's not a dissolve completely. It's, 
Yeah, yeah. Like normally, if you were going to do that, it would like t- t- by today's standards, it would be, you know, I'm standing here, I'm full frame. I pick up the phone and then somebody, it just pushes in, right? Yeah. Or something like mm-hmm. something corny. Or you cut to that person yeah. to, that they're talking to and you cut back to the person on the phone, you know, that called and you cut back and forth. This was, she's full frame. She picks up the phone and she's on the right side of the frame. And as she's talking to this person, the person that she's on the phone with starts slowly appearing on the left side of the frame. And so that now they're sharing the frame and it was, it was like that. It sounds like, duh, that's okay to do. And of course (laughs) it is okay to do, but they do stuff like that throughout the entire film. You know, if she's remembering something, uh, that memory will slowly appear on the screen or, you know, like in some part of the frame that isn't being, occupied by anything or something like that. So they purposefully shot this with that in mind, which, you know, goes to the directing, you know, it's, that's, yeah. yeah you, you plan ha- that, ahead you plan of time. that ahead of time and stuff. But like, I, I thought it was a really interesting way to keep people engaged that might not necessarily be French, you know? Yeah. So it's just more for your eye to, to follow. So not only are you are trying to read, but you're also having to look up because now there's something new on the screen. Um, so that really keep, you have to be engaged. And in a movie that's this long, how long is this movie? This it's pretty long, right? Yeah. It's I like mean, 220 or something. A little over two, like 212. 212. Yeah. It, it a movie that's this long, you kind of have to do that. Now, you know, towards the end, it, it kind of lost me uh, a little bit. I was just kind of ready for it mm. to be over. And then I felt just at first watch, I kind of felt a little bit like it was a lot of buildup and didn't fully pay off for me in the end. I thought the end, the ending was wonderful. Yeah. You know, her just being there and sitting there and looking at him was beautiful. And she was just happy to have found him and that he was alive, did not care that spoiler alert, he doesn't remember her or anything, um, but he's alive and he's okay. Like as a, as beautiful, but I just thought it was just so abrupt. It was like, he's alive now I'm with him and it's over instead of, I don't know, maybe I find out he's alive and then I, and then I have to spend a few minutes few more additional minutes to go on this journey to him. And it's this, you know, this, this experience in her mind, you know, we're following her emotions as she travels to him or something. I just felt like it was almost two hours of her trying to get to him. And then she's there. Yeah. You know, it was like, uh, and we're done. Yeah. Um, all in all, I did enjoy it. I thought it was, it was a beautiful film is a story that probably has, has happened in some form or fashion that needed to be told. And the acting was great. The editing was great. Everything was wonderful. It just fell a little bit for me towards the, I would say the third act. Yeah, no, I get that. The thing I always forget about this film, uh, always the thing I forgot about this film, uh, was that it's a mystery. Like she's, she's solving a puzzle and she's putting these pieces together and, um, there's, you know, heartbreak and it's a really well constructed puzzle because everything makes sense. I mean, in the opening scene, whenever we're watching those five soldiers trudge through the trenches and basically on to their deaths, you know, she makes this kind of comment about this guy's boots being uh, German. And at the time it just feels like, Oh, you know, it's, it's a Wes Anderson quirky kind of thing of we're just fleshing out meaningless details to add quirkiness to it, which Janae is full of quirks. Like if you've seen any of his past work, like Amelie or 
I don't know, City of Lost Children, you'll know that, you know, he's a, he's a quirky filmmaker. He likes adding in oddities. Uh, but in this film specifically, like, it pays off. There's a reason they wanted you to know that he was wearing German boots. And, of course, it comes in later on as to the reason why he was mistakenly identified as killed. It's because someone switched boots with him. And the reason they switched boots with him is even a good reason. Like, all of it is so well constructed that it really brings you into caring about everybody and uh, understanding the heartbreak that's kind of going around. There's a lot of heartbreak in this film for sure, but there's also a lot of on the whimsy and quirkiness to it. Like the little Definitely, battle, yeah. <laughs> the battle between the, the bicyclist and oh, the, uh, her dad, <laughs> her dad is so great. And then he paves the, yeah. <laughs> or he puts stones down or something and he falls. It's so great. That's awesome. So then he starts riding his bike into the house. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. That's that so was my favorite part. <laughs> good. Like that gets me so well. I, and I've yeah. seen that clip in itself, like, retold and used in essays and i it it just always makes me happy because it's it adds joy to something that could be rather joyless i mean when you start talking about war films yeah there's not a lot of joy to be had in those films and so just finding ways to just kind of remind you that humanity is still there and it's alive and it's everywhere except on the battlefield yeah and that and in some cases obviously even there too but yeah janae just has a interesting way of utilizing every second of your time and this film even i'm just kind of letting it run right now in front of me and it's there's so much in it like i can't imagine putting this film together because of for one all the extras there's that amazing shot where he pulls back through the trench and they're all mounting their bayonets onto the rifles and you're just like okay and then then you ran out of extras okay no the shot is still going and going and going and it just begins to really paint this somber picture of death that's, you know, just imminent. How many of these guys are about to die or how many people are they about to kill? Like one way or the other, a lot of lives are about to be ended. And it just kind of, you're, and all you can hear is just a clack, clack, clack of those bayonets being pulled out of their, you know, sheaths or whatever and then mounted on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the fateful charge. But it's just this really long, slow, creeping shot that... I mean, it's it's engrossing and horrifying, in in its you know use. God, I mean that that shot really does slay me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much to love. I love the for sure the use of color in this mm. is amazing because all the modern stuff with Matilda uh, is kind of got this sepia faded photograph tone. There, it feels like you've ever seen someone colorize black and white photos. That's what this feels like to me. It's like someone went back and said, oh, we're going to colorize, uh, you know, some old war footage, basically. And obviously, they're really trying to pull you into the World War One era in the 1915s. And I think she's talking from 1917 or something like that. Um, all the dates kind of battle around in my head. But but even though this is only, you know, a couple years removed from the war, the war has its own color grade, too. I mean, the war is super desaturated and drab and it's lifeless. They're on a battlefield. So everything is almost black and white. Even though it's not, there's just very faint hints of color. I mean, even the blood is like black. Yeah. You know, that guy shoots his hand off or the the bottom half of his hand off and it's just gushing and it's black. I mean, yeah. everything is so drab and uh, lifeless and it really paints a picture of war for sure. And I, it's such an excellent use of color. Uh, well, be, you know, blood is pretty dark. True. Yeah. But so it's even darker when you take all the red out of it, which is basically what they did. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, 
I don't, I don't know that I was, I don't know that I was super crazy about the color yeah. of, of her time. Like, yeah. I, I was at first and then just, I kind of, my eyes, I mean, it might've been that I was watching it a little bit late at night. Um, but my eyes just, I wanted something, Yeah, you know, I had to, at one point I had to pause it and just kind of like walk around a little bit because I just couldn't stare at the yellow anymore. It was so sepia, you know? Uh, and that's, that's, that's fine. It's a choice and that's fine. It's so funny because contextually this came out in 2004 and the reason I watched it, I want to say it got nominated and won best cinematography Mm. and that was just like, okay, well I want to see what that's about. Um, ages. I mean, this was right as I was starting to just edit. This was my first touch of getting into filmmaking and way before I picked up a camera. And so just sitting there and watching, I mean, it's so beautiful. You get into these country, you know, side shots and, her running through and trying to beat him to the curve, all those little moments. And it is beautiful, but removed from that era. Cause in 2004, I don't know that there was a lot of films doing this. I mean, you might've had, uh, the 300 and, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. gladiator, but aside from a few of those kind of movies, uh, maybe hero, which had its own thing going on. Like as far as color heavy gold films, there just wasn't that many. Certainly not very many that were moving the camera the way he was doing. Yeah. So, but now you fast forward into, you know, 2019. Yeah. And it's suddenly like, oh, yeah. God, I'm bored. Give me something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, maybe it was that I was bored. Maybe. But it was literally like my eyes got tired. Yeah. I, I needed some kind of, uh, some kind of color. So I, I would like pause it and I'd, you know, flip to a different screen where I had something to, you know, or I stood up and I walked around for a little bit or something. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's not that I didn't like it either. Yeah. It was just literally I could not keep staring at it. I mean, I would I would honestly say I kind of had started feeling that same need of stimulation, visual stimulation. Um, but I and that was when I started, you know, analyzing more and more. It was like, yeah, let me stay in like this why? somehow. Yeah, yeah let yeah. me find the why. And that was obviously what it was going for. Like, we're going to really firmly cement you in this era. Yeah, and it's super effective. But I, it's also like really contrasty. And you have all these real gritty textures to it. And so it, it does feel aged and weathered. And it feels like you are, you know, watching something that took place a long time ago. That's just been kind of injected with Janae's, I don't know, artisanal <laughs> side, yeah. side of things. But I also really like that they they also used that era. Uh, like when they did, she's imagining how something went down not just remembering something, but her imagination kicks in at one point and they use like a, a silent movie, like a, uh, mm-hmm. not a talkie, but like just a, you know, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chapman kind of silent film era thing. And that's a really smart use because that is her era and that is how she thinks. And that would have been an, maybe a misstep if someone else had said, Oh, you know, she, whatever imagines it in color. It's like, no, this is an opportunity to kind of further expand on this era and use, you know, their language to communicate how she's thinking. Cause right now we kind of think in movie terms, yeah. you know, when we're imagining a fight or an, an argument, you know, with someone, it's like, it's all kind of cinematic in our head, but in, obviously in that era, 
you don't have that. You have silent movies, so everything is a little fast forwardy and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stilted. And I thought that was just a really simple, smart way to kind of call back and stay firmly cemented into that era. And to keep you interested as yeah. a viewer, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, whoa, where did that come from? Change that, of pace. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it should be in this movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the other funny thing, we recently covered a film where I talked about you almost never see punch-ins on punch-ins. Oh, yeah. They normally cut away. Yeah. And in this film... They did it. They did it. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. I know. And I only noticed it because <laughs> you talked about it, about The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's perfect because she's having these... God, and I love that little nuance in the film of the way she has her, I don't know, she's not OCD, but she has these internal dialogues with herself. And at one point she's like, she says ashes to ashes, dust to dust a lot. And that's where it happens. And when it, we're kind of uh, sitting wide and she's saying it and she's repeating it and we just kind of keep punching in on her and it's beautiful. But I also love just these, cause it, it's stuff that I do all the time where you make a bet with yourself. That's like whenever she's saying, if, I peel this uh, apple. Oh God! And I don't I do break that the peel all the time. I forgot. Then he's still alive. Yes. And like, right? Yes. I assume everyone kind of has their versions. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I love that she's constantly doing that. Of let me do, and it's uh, superstitious for sure. But it's these ways we try to relieve our anxiety and and give you hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because she knew she wasn't going to find out if he was going to be alive if she beat the car to the, to the road yeah. or something, she knew she wasn't going to know that for another several, like a year or two years, yeah. but it would give her hope to hold on to like, oh, absolutely. I mean, I still do that stuff today. And what a great scene that is, because like you said, she's yeah. looking for ways to hold on to hope Yeah, and she gets there and there's no car and you're like, Oh God. But then the car comes on the horizon. You're like, yes. And then the car passes and she realizes it wasn't her car. Yeah. That's an expert way of raising and dashing your hopes. Yep. Like that's so beautiful to, to take you on that little emotional journey that lasts all of, you know, two minutes. Yeah. But it's it's great writing and directing, man. Yeah, man. That's I loved, that beautiful. was my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I mean. Because she has this jacked up leg and she's just mm-hmm. efforting so hard. And you're which with was, her. Which was a very awesome, like, it was just so interesting. Why do you think he gave her, he gave her. Uh, a messed up leg. Like, is there a reason or is it just, Oh, this is just part of the story. I feel like there's a reason. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know that I would know the reason either, but to me, it's a way to, for one, she's absolutely stunning, right? She is just beautiful. And then on top of that, you had that she's, you know, overwhelmingly curious, but I think it's a, a way to not only ground her to say, here's why she's the way she is. And she's, she cares so much about this guy because maybe in her heart, she doesn't believe that someone else will love her the same way. But I think it's just another way to make us care about her. Yeah. Um, It humanizes her for sure. Yeah. So she's not just some, some, you know, girl waiting for her man to come home from, from war, you know, like, She's a human. She is. And the effort that it takes for her to keep going after him is so much greater than it would be if she didn't have that issue. Right, right. And so it also is a way to for her to exert herself and to demonstrate how much she cares. And and we root for her more. Yeah. When she says, if I make it to the road before the car, 
and she's limping there and oh. you're like, Oh, go girl, go. And if you get there, great. If you don't, it's okay. You tried your best. But if she could, if she had both good legs and yeah. was running with good legs, she'd been like, she just ran faster. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but watching someone struggle, it makes you cheer for them so much more. Yeah, man. God. Yeah. And for whatever reason, him loving her was even more, it was, it was like had more weight to it. Yeah. Not, not, you shouldn't love people that have bum <laughs> legs. That's not what I mean. I just mean like there's more weight to it because she's more human. Yeah. You know, because she's, you believe he loves some her. Way. Yes. Yes. And not just in love with a pretty face. It's like, no, right. this is my other. Half. Yeah. I don't care if she has a bum leg. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like That's I love her. I've loved point. her my whole life yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But also love how she uses it to manipulate. Like when she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh God. Yes. And then she stands up, picks it up oh, and walks God. down the steps. So good. So good. Oh, it only happens here. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great line. And on that same note, I think it's interesting how they all injure their right hand in order to get out of service. I noticed that. Yeah. I, the only logistical reason I could really make out of that was, um, that, that's their dominant hand. Yeah. Like we're all right-handed and therefore we need to injure our right hand to be really ineffective at our job. Yeah. And so beyond that, I couldn't really suss out any deeper meaning. Maybe it is in there and I just missed it, but it just felt like more of a practical need than anything else. I don't know. Yeah. She meant, she calls that out a little bit for just a moment with the bartender in huh. the bar that has the wooden arm, wooden hand, right. He cracks the walnut yeah. or whatever. She said something, what was it? Ta- he mentions his, his hand and she says, and she says something like, oh, you needed to, need to try harder or something like now or something like that. Like you had to be more, I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to be more now because you don't have this hand. So now you have to use your non-dominant hand. It was something like that. So she does call out a little bit, but I, I think it's exactly what you said and, and they can't be effective. They can't shoot necessarily. Maybe, I don't know. You could still shoot with your left. Probably. I'm Probably. sure you're crap. I don't know. <clears throat> but your aim would walking, definitely sure. be off. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Also, story-wise, I really love the uh, the comment. And it took me a while to understand what she meant when uh, Tina Lombardi says, uh, they're going to give me a bowl haircut and I'm going to have to meet my uh, archangel's uh, with short hair or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, why, why are they going to give her a bowl haircut? And then you see her, you know, step into the, uh, guillotine. yeah, the guillotine. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, that is an amazing comment that I cannot process. <laughs> and were you not like staggered at the speed at which they did that shit? It was pretty like rote. It was like 10 seconds. Yeah. Like they put her on the thing, tilted her down, done body off at cut. Yeah, and they just throw the body into the box. It was like, Ooh, like nothing, harrowing. Wow, and it def- definitely made me realize those those errors. But also, just as effectively, was seeing the final note that her lover gave her about "Don't waste your your life on revenge. It's not worth it." You know, that was. Mm-hmm. I mean the the irony, and that's a great use of irony. I don't feel like I see a lot of good use of irony anymore um, where you're, you're playing in contrast. And so for her, the irony is to be receiving a note 
about not wasting your life on vengeance when she's sitting on death row, you know, awaiting execution in a matter of, you know, hours or days. Yeah, like rain on your wedding day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to everyone out there. But I love that. Yeah, yeah. To me, that kind of bears down on the final meaning of, of the film to me was war kills you, kills the people you love. It kind of just kills everyone because even he came back alive, but he wasn't himself. Yeah. Like he, he lived, but he, but he wasn't alive, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't him. It, it was, was not him. And for me, like in life, everything we are is in our mind. It's in our memories and that's what forms you. So if you get amnesia, you're a different person now. Yeah. Um, and for him, he was no longer him. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I love that she was there for him regardless. Like you said, that's a beautiful moment of someone just loving someone no matter what. Uh, but it's also the lesson of war. I mean, the war killed those people who didn't deserve to die. Um, and then on top of that, it, it destroyed their, their families and the people they loved. Uh, you have that really heartbreaking story of the wife who uh, is trying to have a kid to get her husband out of war. Uh-huh. And... And yet he tells her sleep with this other man and it ends up destroying him anyway. Like yeah. there was just no victory and it's such a decimating act. Uh, whether or not you think war is necessary sometimes or none of the time, or if you think war is all built on lies. I mean, they have that, that great moment in the intro where she talks about one of the, one of the five. Um, I don't remember which, but he's trying to talk to his comrades, to his unit, and he's and then explain to them that the poor build the devices that will eventually kill them, that are sold to them by the rich, and that's going to kill them. And it's mm. like this really sobering thing. And whether you call it the rich or the government or uh, dictators, what, however you want to call it, like it's such a destructive thing that uh, it spares nobody. Yeah, it spares absolutely nobody. Awesome. So I feel like that was kind of where. The film was trying to communicate to us like there is a there's a cost for war that can never be repaid. Yeah. Um, and and the people who do pay are probably the ones who really didn't have much to gain from it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, and not just with their lives, but the people yeah. that loved them. Yeah. It's just it's an endless cycle, man. Uh, that's a whole nother. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's a whole sure. other podcast. <laughs> Let's start a new one. <laughs> Wes and Todd on the issues. Yeah. <laughs> what are, I wonder what our faux sponsors will be there. <laughs> All of them brought yeah. to you by, I don't know, whore. <laughs> yeah. so, so then what would you give this movie? Ooh, that's a really tough one. Yeah. That's a really tough one. I mean, for me, it's probably, uh, I really would like to give it like an eight, but, and if you had asked me in 2004, mm-hmm. I would have given this like a nine. But now it's probably sitting at like a seven. That's exactly what I was going to say. Really? Seven. Ah. Not the whole 2004 thing. I don't know because <laughs> right, right. I didn't see it back yeah. then. But I, 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 like right after I watched it, definitely a seven right now, maybe a seven and a half. But yeah, I'm sitting right there. Yeah. I mean, it still emo- emotionally really crushes me and knows how to push all the buttons. Um, you go through such a roller coaster. But yeah, for some reason, I just... Although I will say I watched the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before leaving the house to come over and record. And I was starting to get in, in, engrossed again. I was like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The first 20 minutes God. are super like, yeah. holy crap. 
Yeah. Like they are engaging. You are in it. I mean, it starts in the war. So you're, you're there, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, for telling a story, he did it right. Like yeah. he bookended that shit really well. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I agree. Badass. Yeah. Nice. So what are you recommending this week? Ooh, uh, I'm going to recommend green book. I watched that recently. Really? Yep. Yep. I really don't want to say why. Okay. I can tell you why after. Have you seen it? Not yet, surprisingly. It, okay. Well, then I've I been, won't tell you why. I've been falafeling on that. Falafeling? Falafeling. Not waffling. Falafeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I because actually, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted of those movies, but I also need to watch it just because I feel like it's probably going to go through the awards stuff, and I need to know just for my own yeah. reasons. Yeah. Like, hey, here's why it's being nominated or whatever. Um, but also just want to see Viggo Mortensen um, and Marshall Ali because mm-hmm. they're both excellent, excellent mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'll watch it then. Yeah. It's, it's not exhausting if nice. in that way it's okay. just, yeah, it's a good movie and my wife really liked it as well and she doesn't really like those movies. So Badass. yeah, okay. I'll check yeah. that out in the coming days. All right. I'm going to recommend a book. Um, if you could not get enough that? of war, then I'm going to recommend Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's reading that book was one of the first few books. I would say between this book and Catcher in the Rye, those, these were the first books where I could kind of see past the words on the page and I could finally kind of decrypt what they were intending to get at. Cause certain books, especially those books that are told in like this first person narrative, they're taught, they're saying one thing, but there's a, such a subcontext that's being discussed throughout the, the, the novels that these are the first ones to finally, that kind of broke through for me to say, Oh wow, we were really having a completely different conversation. Well, maybe not completely different, but we're having a different conversation than what's on the page right now. Yeah. Um, and I think in tangent with a very long engagement, I, I think there's a lot to offer and, and that's, I mean, it's a really short book. It's probably 150 pages, uh, but just so rich. Kurt Vonnegut is one of a kind. Um, mm-hmm. and so it goes. Awesome. Yeah. Great. I'll check that out. Awesome. Um, yeah, stay tuned. And for, first, I want to give a shout out uh, to Izzy. We would have only done this episode thanks to you, sir. So appreciate you staying active in the comments and giving us some recommendations. This is great. I mean, I really do love this film, and I'm I'm really anxious to hear what you had to say uh, in the comments. So you know, you can shred us on this one oh, if you man. want. Oh man, yeah. Um, this also makes me want to go back and watch Amelie. I haven't seen Amelie in ages. Um, this, that's another Junae film. Um, okay. And so I'm curious in. I mean, it's a little easier than war. <laughs> so, so that's always good. But yeah, so stay tuned for next week. We're going to be doing Gravity. The, yes. Uh, space film with, what's her face? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. Sandy. Sandy Bullock. Good old Sandy. Uh, yeah. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note. If you want, to co- if you want us to cover a, uh, a thing, then let us know. And if you want to comment on this episode, you can do so at thepestlepodcast.com slash a very long engagement. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day by Ernest Hemingway. The world breaks everyone and afterward many are strong at the broken places, but those that will not break, it kills. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. Wow. That's my that's, favorite. That's brutal. Quote. Like this would be the first tattoo I ever get. 
Really? That's yeah. a long ass tattoo. It man. is. Where are you going to get that shit? Yeah. On my face. <laughs> on your face. Good. Perfect. <laughs> but that's another war veteran. I mean, Hemingway, yeah. uh, I think was a, a veteran of the first world war. And he, I just read recently, I mean, he's my favorite author and, uh, he, he stays on my mind periodically. That's dark, bro. But he was thought to be like this really depressed guy and that's why he killed himself. But what I read recently was that he actually was just losing his abilities to function. Like, I don't know if, if he was having, um, ALS or some neur- neurotic disease or issue, but it was his inability to continue doing the things that he loved. He was just a shadow of what he was. And that depression kind of overtook him of, um, you know, I'm not who I, who I really am. I'm not able to be that. And that's why he killed himself. And so that's really interesting. I'll, I'll find some of those uh, articles and post it in the, the links, but I think this also gets at the heart of, uh, and this is, this quote is from a, a farewell to arms, uh, which is an, excellent book but it really gets at the heart of i think the film like war kind of fast tracks that that breaking point and it is hard it's a really hard quote and everyone usually stops at the first sentence of this quote that's why i really like Mm. you know reading it in full because if you were to just say the world breaks everyone and afterward many are strong at the broken places that's a very like empowering statement it's like yeah "Yeah, hell yeah well that's not all and contextually in this chapter there's a lot going on but to understand the rest of it it's like well if you're not going to break it's going to kill you and it's going to kill everyone impartially and that's just a statement about life and you can call it existential um but it's I think that's how I see war. Uh, it's just, it's so destructive and it destroys everyone and everything around it. Mm-hmm. It takes resources away from families. It takes resources away from communities who may need it. And it uses them for destructive purposes to only take away even more resources, whether that's a resource of life and ingenuity. I think of all the time, the people who died in war who could have contributed to our world. Yeah. yeah. What did we miss out on? What brilliance? And maybe we, I'm sure we would have had even more, you know, idiots and assholes in the world, but you destroyed not just lives of ingenuity and, and brilliance, but you also take away people's souls. Like if you, in place of manic, you could insert any soldier because mm-hmm. no one's the same after war yeah. you're never yourself after war yeah. and i would say i i've seen that firsthand in family and friends and it's it's yeah i would, think would you say the same about the world because he's talking he's saying the world yeah i mean i guess war is part of the world so in that case yeah but man that's <laughs> well it would it, it would be it's hard for me to say to look at that and maybe that's just the optimist in me. I don't know yeah. to look at that and say, that's heavy. And so true. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's not true, right? But if you were to replace the world, the word world with war, certainly I mean, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm in it or not like, yeah, but man, the world. Yeah, I mean, do you think that that is, a personal view, like just his personal view from what he went through because he was in war. I think we all have those moments of, man, this is the lowest point of my life. Mm-hmm. Nothing could ever get lower than this moment. Mm-hmm. And to feel something like that 
is completely natural. Because on the yeah. other hand, like let's say you have you're in the operating room and your first child is born, mm-hmm. you're having that polar opposite moment. You're like, nothing could ever get better than this moment. Yeah. And so I think we do live. If you're willing, you know, we have these these rides in life that take you in all kinds of places and. That's one of the reasons I try to stay as even killed as possible. I, I try not to go low, but I try not to go high either just because I don't like those lows. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's my own, you know, yeah, no, issues. I totally get it. Yeah, and, and, and you, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him writing about it when he's... Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, and contextually, I mean, that chapter, if you were to read that chapter, you would understand contextually why what's being written is being okay. written. Okay, Um, But I think it's just a beautiful and... I don't know. It would probably sound weird to call it life affirming, but to be able to look at the world and say, here's what you have to throw at me. Mm. I can see it a mile away. Yeah. You're never yeah. going to take me by surprise. Yeah. To me is, to, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is my way of dealing with the low moments long before it comes. It's so funny. You just said that, man. I watch a lot of Joe Rogan's podcast. I just started listening to him like dude, w- days ago. Really? Yeah. Dude. Oh my God. You got to <laughs> I was listening to him on my way here today. Oh he, yeah, dude. It's, um, it's amazing. He has some really great guests on and he, they talk, whatever. It doesn't matter. Is yeah. that Alex Honnold on there? He's got, had, had a yeah. bunch of people. He had a, um, I, w- I would just randomly picked one today and he I only listened to, you know, part of it, but he had this doctor on who talked about relationships and one of the, for whatever reason, I don't know why they were talking about this. I don't know why this came up. It just in whatever. They were talking about the wild. And they said there's this one type of antelope that if they know that an, a lion is, you know, poaching them, they will get close to it, to the, to the lion, and jump up and down as high as it can while it's facing it. Holy And hell. the whole reason is to say, I know you're there and you will never catch me because I am I am faster and fitter than you are and I can run farther. That's the whole point of it, right? But that's the thing, it, it, what you just said. It's like, I know, listen world, I know what you got to throw at me. Bring it, you know? Hell yes. Like, I, I was listening, that's crazy. I just <laughs> listened to really that today. Cool. <laughs> but th- yeah, yeah. Synchronicity city, right? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking more about the quote of the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, join us next week. Where we'll be doing a, uh, a pestle on the quote of the day. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, great quote. Thanks. As always, because then we also spend 20 minutes talking about the quote. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, yes, as Wes said, uh, make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes. We really, really pay attention to you guys and uh, need all the support we can get because we love doing this and yes. we want to know that people are listening and enjoying it. Uh, and join us next week when we are going to cover gravity. So make sure to go watch that. You've got a week to do it. And until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.